Hey Trailblazers and Tarmac Tacklers, welcome to the Maximum Mileage Running Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Hancock, USCA and UK Athletics Qualified Coach in Ultra Running and Running Fitness. And uh, this week on the podcast, it is Faye and I hosting our very own athletes on one of our favourite things that we do for our athletes, which is the hot seat. This is where our athletes put us on the spot. They ask us their running questions. And this week, uh, this month's uh, hot seat was a doozy. We answered questions, uh, particularly some really good ones around fueling and hydration and nutrition in general. It is January. It is that time of year where people are maybe thinking about getting rid of some of that extra fluff uh, that we've gained over Christmas, myself included. But you know, a lot of us are training for marathons and ultra marathons, and that is a really bad time to be trying to lose weight. So we talk about that. We talk about how you can continue to fuel yourself in the right way and look after yourself, plus many other topics. So have a listen and enjoy. Before we get into it, big shout out to our partners, Runderwear, Talk Fitness, Soulmate, Two Start Coffee, Udoku Projects, and I didn't call them out last week, and I should have done really. Um, but the Protein Works as well. I've worked with the Protein Works for about a year now myself. Um, we've talked about this on the podcast, and in fact, I think we talk about it on on the hot seat as well. That protein intake is hugely important for us runners, and I get my extra protein intake from the Protein Works products. Uh, I'm actually currently still digesting one of their ridiculous bars. It's a vegan protein bar, absolutely amazing. Uh, amongst many of their products so thank you to those guys and for any of you listening join the maximum mileage running podcast facebook group just search maximum mileage running podcast uh, or you can see it in the show notes and you can avail discounts exclusive to people in the facebook group in the facebook group itself so get yourself in there and you can get yourself a number of discounts with those suppliers enjoy hello everybody how you doing hello 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 uh, right now we've got the technological thing sorted and uh, we're all on. Um, thank you for joining the hot seat. I always like doing these. It's nice to get a few people on. Um, I think we sort of we tailed off them in the summer, didn't we, Faye? Because yes, it was, it was school holidays. We did a couple. A couple of people turned up, and it ends up just being a bit of a chat, really, and not not much of a not much of a proper hot seat. So um, it's good to be back. Uh, very important time of year. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, people are ramping up their marathon training. Uh, Kyle, especially, you've got two coming up, um, and in fine fettle so far for it. Nath is getting himself back into the swing of things. We've got Sharon knocking out ultras left, right, and centre, <laughs> although a lot less than she had in her first in her diary at first because I've chopped them right down. <laughs> get rid of that one. Get rid of that one. Get rid of that one. Oh, I was going to say, most people need a running coach for motivation. I need one to rein me in. Calm you down, exactly, yeah. It's like a, an ultra every two weeks at one point. Um, we've got Nick over in Ohio running in sub-zero temperatures. How is it at the moment, Nick? Oh, it's terrible. There's like 12 inches of snow everywhere, and the temperatures aren't as bad now. They're, I mean, they're still bad, but... I've been having to do all my runs in little side street, like housing developments, like hundreds of laps because I can't run on sidewalks anywhere or trails. Oh, it's pretty bad over there. We're on like storm number 46 in the space of nine days or something. There's another one coming to (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Ben is doing uh, marathons. He's uh, he's he's very much in full swing, although he tweaked his back yesterday. Uh, so did I, interestingly, this morning. So hopefully that's just yes. something. Uh, we'll we'll be all right, Ben. We're just, we're just old, mate. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Not a good start to the week, though, but uh, hopefully it gets better tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Patrick, new to the crew. He's um, building back after a bit of a layoff, but he's got some big, um, big races planned this year. So welcome, Patrick. Thank you. Always. And um, Dawn, nice to see your name in a box. Hi. Uh, what, what is it you're training for, Dawn? You're, Dawn, you're one of uh, you're on a phase, aren't you? Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm training for Belfast Marathon. Ah, very cool. Yeah, I've got uh, somebody else doing that. Um, right. Okay. So before I start delving into some of the um, the questions that have been sent in ahead of time, has anybody got one? Whilst we are on the call. Nick, you've always got questions. What do I do when there's 45 inches of snow outside? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I do have a question maybe. So someone had mentioned about having an insatiable appetite. Uh, I have the opposite. I, as my um, mileage and training increases, especially on longer runs, and I think Nick, I've talked to you one-on-one -on -one about this, but I have no appetite and it's very hard for me to eat. Um, even junk food, like I have no desire to even eat junk food. So it's a struggle for me to get in enough calories to be able to fuel my training and recover for the sessions coming up. Interesting one. Um, I don't know which one's worse or which one I'd prefer, but <laughs> yeah, it's, not it's, having it's, an appetite sucks because yeah. you feel it the next day or the day after quite a bit. Yeah, 100%. I think one of the first things I'd be asking you is uh, no underlying, you know, viruses, bugs flying around. You don't feel like you're ill? Or was this just kind of a, something that... No, is... this is something I've kind of always had um, for the last couple of years. Okay. Um, I, I struggled with fueling enough um, for my training. Which is interesting as, a, as an ex-bodybuilder who would have gone through bulks I'm sure you're quite. Yeah, and maybe that's what did it to me. Food. Is I just don't ever want to eat again. <laughs> um, I mean, I would say one of the first things I would probably be looking at is is eating um, smaller portions, but more often, and trying mm -hmm. to kind of drip feed yourself rather than going, you know, trying to sit down and go, oh my god, that's a big meal I've got to eat all in one go. Mm -hmm. That's probably one of the things that would come to mind first of all. Would you agree with that, Faye? Uh, yeah, Nick. I feel your pain because um, I have always had a similar in regard. Well, okay. In the last kind of, let's say six or seven years, I've struggled to fuel to the right level to fuel mm -hmm. my activity. And to the point, like you say, where I'm like, I just can't eat anything else. Um, and it just, like you said, even the thought of eating like what would be considered like junk food or treat mm -hmm. food, you're like, I can't even face it. Yep. Um, but I would say, interestingly, the uh, yeah, the approach of I'm trying to at the moment train myself to eat more, but more often, because I had that tendency of leaving real swathes of time between eating mm -hmm. uh, because I wasn't hungry. And then it almost made it worse. So I uh, find that if I eat little and often and make it quality, in regards to what I'm eating, mm -hmm. then I t it tends to work better. Um, 
because what happens if I leave it too long and then I try and eat a big meal it's just not happening Mm -hmm. and then I find myself the next day maybe for a session feeling like I've not eaten enough I've just not got enough in the tank um but yeah I mean I particularly struggle when it comes to refueling so if I've been out on a long run thinking about how much I'm eating afterwards so I have to pace myself rather than think oh I'm gonna have a really big feed now I'm gonna Mm -hmm. pace it and take it on gradually through the remainder of the day yeah I've tried that too and I think where I especially struggle is on like my longer trail runs when I get into like the four or five or five and a half hour mark like I'll do them in the morning and I'm not hungry for like the next 24 hours and so it yeah it's really hard to eat I've noticed that like in actual races you know in ultras and that's been my my downfall in some of them is when I get you know in the whatever 12 15 20 hour mark in an ultra like it's just I don't eat for hours or taking any calories and that's that's really hurt me in some races too yeah we've talked about that a couple of times yeah yeah I think um I think Nick what might be an idea if that's this you know little and often approach doesn't work you know we've still got the issue with you you got on your big roads mm-hmm. to work on as well it's expensive working with nutritionists on a long-term mm-hmm. basis incidentally Faye has decided to invest in um you know in something over the course of the next few months with a nutritionist mm-hmm. I, I don't think maybe instead of kind of going all in and going why well, i'm gonna work with a nutritionist for the next four or five months might be worth just reaching out to in fact i can introduce you to a couple um uh, and just have like a one-off consultation um, okay. call with us. and, and yeah, it might, might cost you 100 bucks. Yeah, it might, uh, might be worth just you know, sort of doing that one-off consultation mm-hmm. as a starter, see how you get on with it, and, um, and we'll work on there. But I think when, when it starts coming into the realms of um, you know, difficulties around eating, then mm-hmm. it, it is worth starting to think about talking to a professional like a, a nutritionist it's a bit like um you know if you were injured i wouldn't be trying to fix your injury um i'd be mm-hmm. in front of a physio and i think that's um that's the kind of situation uh, i think you're you're in at the moment so worth yeah worth, worth having a chat with them yeah definitely sharon to answer your question um and i'm saying i'm ravenous constantly i could eat literally all day every day non-stop and it's um first of all an element of control is is needed and, and in terms of control maybe writing down what you eat i don't think you need to like do my fitness pal tracking that kind of stuff but maybe kind of writing down like what am i eating for each meal um you mentioned about fiber fiber is satiating um it's also good for health in general, good gut health. So it is worth just having a little look at what, what is it you're eating and um, and when you're eating it. So some of the things we've talked about is you know, having some of the lower fiber carbohydrates before your hard sessions and long runs. But outside of that, you do want to be thinking about your health. So, you know, high fiber, um, good quality foods, you know, don't, don't, be, don't be reducing your fiber unless you've got you know, issues, you know, like low FODMAP or, you know, IBS. You know, Chris has just joined us. He's, he's, um, he's quite familiar with some of these, these, these sort of conversations around fibres and things. The other thing to, to look at is how much water are you drinking? Because sometimes thirst 
can actually present itself as hunger. And actually, you're not hungry, you're thirsty. Your body wants more water, especially the amount that you're running. You know, you run five days a week, you strength train a couple of times a week, and it's not like you're training for a 5K. You know, you're, you're out there doing ultras and big marathons, and um, and you're busy anyway. So you know, it's worth having a look at how much are you drinking. Um, no, I do try and drink lots of water. Like, um, I would say, like, I try and have, like, a large glass of water every morning, and then, like, with every meal, I try and drink quite a lot. I'm just hungry all the time. Sharon, yeah. are you eating? Are you eating enough protein? Because uh, yeah, because I bought some. I now have a protein shake for breakfast, and I measure that out. And I have like so typically, I'd have like um, white toast, like before I'm going for a run with jam and peanut butter. And then when I come back, I have my protein shake, and then I'd have a fairly healthy lunch, like a jacket potato or I don't know soup or something. And then normal dinner and probably a snack of cheese or something in the afternoon. Straight off the bat. I'd say it's not enough not protein. Enough. It's not definitely food. not enough it's food soup. in general. Yeah, soup, soup yeah. for lunch might be healthy, but the, the caloric density of that is could be next to nothing. Like if you have a broccoli soup, for example, that's, that's like 100 calories. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I would say you're not eating enough. Okay. Of, you know, volume of, of food, protein, hundred percent with Fay on that. Um, okay. You know, I, I know you. You're not vegan or anything, are you? So, um, you know, have have your soup with a, a chicken sandwich on the side of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, your breakfast, a slice, a slice of toast with jam and peanut butter. Great before yeah. a run, but when you get back from the run, protein straight after the run isn't entirely necessary. It's oh, okay. more as long so the, the whole anabolic window, you know, you must have protein within 20 minutes of your workout. Otherwise, you know, you, you're going to blow up. That's um, that was kind of left in, in the bro science world of yesteryear. Uh, OK. Um, yes, you need protein and, and plenty of it, but it, it can be spaced throughout the day. You don't need to be like urgently getting it after after a workout. Okay. Um, what we do know, though, is that um, glucose absorption is much um, it is heightened after exercise, particularly if you've done a hard run. So what you do want to be doing is making sure that whatever you have afterwards has got good carbs in it. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, chocolate milkshake is like a, you know, an ideal solution for for a quick fix because it's got protein, okay. it's got carbs, um, and it tastes quite nice. I mean, we probably wouldn't have it. Probably wouldn't have it every day. No. Um, but, but know, after your hard run, run, so after your hard run and the long run, you do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, uh, let me give you an example. This is what I had um, uh, before my long run yesterday. Uh, oh, actually, today was a better example. So um, I'll have a bagel with peanut butter and jam, quite a bit of jam as well, like a 50-gram dollop of it, um, two, two bagels usually. I'm looking to, like, get around 90 grams of carbs um, before I go on a on a hard run, yeah, and then and then when I get back from the hard run, then I'll have a breakfast, like a proper breakfast. Ah, oh, okay. This yeah. morning, though, three eggs, tomatoes, mushrooms, um, avocado, and toast. Okay. So that's where so, I'll. So have no bacon or sausage or anything like that. No, I mean if that's your poison, then you go for it. But no, I'm. Okay, you know, oh, that's good. About, 
it talks about having healthy food yeah. so like you've had your healthy lunches that's my healthy breakfast because you know mushrooms amazing great for immunity um tomatoes full of vitamin c avocado really healthy fats um, okay. you know eggs full of protein sourdough toast good for the gut so that's the kind of thing okay, that I, I can I definitely sort of do that yeah that 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 sounds really appealing <laughs> yeah there you go so okay. i i would say you're not eating enough like you're not eating even. quite healthy but not enough and then like your typical evening meal what would you have like a you know like turkey yeah, just no normal normal dinner really today i yeah. just had um we had mushroom pappadelle with pesto and um i had some chicken in it for my extra protein okay. um you know so it's almost like somebody needs to write a book about you know good recipes for yeah. i i think there is somebody that's written a book isn't there <laughs> 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 my printer said it wouldn't download the thousand page or whatever it was like <laughs> my husband said you're not printing that off <laughs> no there you go um so yeah plenty of plenty of ideas in there um, okay and uh book number two is on the way as well it's gonna be a hundred right, fabulous okay thanks Nick. all right That's cool thank you help uh faith did you have any questions thrown at you beforehand so what I'll do whilst we're, we've just been speaking to Sharon, Sharon had a question regarding mm. um, exercising during the menopause. Now, in regards to, obviously, it's, it's quite a different beast to kind of managing and exercising around a cycle, because when you've got a cycle and you you can you can track it and you can you can track it where you are in the cycle you can look at hormone levels you can look at when's the best time to train when is it beneficial to do more strength training when is it more beneficial to do low intensity workout but when it comes to perimenopause or menopause it becomes a little bit more difficult so what I would suggest because you mentioned about tracking and a cycle as it were a bit like when you're tracking food and eating, it's sometimes worth keeping some kind of diary. And I mean this in regards to if, if you know, if you are someone that did or does track your cycle, I mean down to daily symptoms, how you're feeling physically, how you're feeling mentally. And if you start to track this over given weeks, months, you will start to notice a pattern it will probably be different to that that you had when you were, you know, menstruating, but it will give you an idea of what your normal is now. And bearing in mind that every woman is totally different. So it's gonna, you know, there is no one size fits all. My suggestion for any woman of any age would be to track and keep an eye on your, your cycle, okay? So that comes down to, like I said, how hungry you are, how tired you are, how energized you are, how you're feeling physically in your body, how you're recovering from sessions as well. I think that's a really good marker as well. So I speak in regards to, you know, during a cycle, the second part of your cycle, uh, as an example, you are going to find yourself having to think more about recovery and you're going to have to think more about taking on more protein because of a higher increase in progesterone and kind of catabolic hormones so breaking down muscle tissue so in that second part of the cycle 
probably don't go to the gym and lift super heavy because you'll find that doms will last forever. You know, it's it just you feel crap for a lot longer than if you do it in the first two weeks of your cycle. So in that first two weeks is like where you're like superwoman because estrogen is high and that's your superpower. But the thing that comes with menopause is managing estrogen levels and trying to figure out because you've got more of a cons- depending on and this all gets a bit complicated, but, but depending on what route you've taken in regards to managing menopause, think about hormone levels and think about how you feel. So it's no different in the sense of it's still really important to track what's going on with you. And that means every aspect of life because it all impacts your training. So I would suggest some kind of diary um, where you're keeping track of certain key areas that really impact you. So I think the the appetite thing is quite significant for you. And I think if you started to think about more protein, quality protein, you might find benefits not only in feeling more satisfied in regards to hunger, also potentially recovering quicker and feeling more feeling stronger okay because you are training a lot you know five days maybe six sessions six sessions a week that's a lot of training so it's important to remember that you you're not just a normal person like none of us sat on this this call now we're not normal people because an average person barely does ten thousand steps a day so it's really important to think about where you are personally rather than maybe comparing yourself to other people. So really think about you and what what is what what goes on with you physically and mentally and see how that goes over over a few months and look out for different kind of signs and symptoms that might, you know, might come about. That was awesome, Faye. Yeah, really good. Just to just to add you know, you, you you said how how strong you felt in your last marathon the other day, Sharon, and you know how, how all those hill sessions have been helping you. Add in more protein, and you're just going to go up another level again. Um, so yeah, really good, good. Thank you, Faye. That was top draw stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, Faye, did you have a question thrown at you, or shall I go next? I don't mind. You go next. I have got a couple more questions, but you go next. Cool, Kyle. You asked a couple of questions. Uh, well, it was one sort of quite big question, really, around uh, around recovery. Do you want to do you want to shoot it at me, or do you want me to read it out? Yeah, sure. Um, so mine was um, yeah about recovery. So predominantly on the big sessions and how much how much movement is good movement. Um, how much rest is is sort of um, is should be required. Like you know in an ideal world versus, you know, a job, a child, <laughs> and, and what you what you can get away with, really. And not focus on nutrition. Obviously, we talk about that a lot. But, um, yeah, really just like, should I be putting my feet up? I mean, where, where do you go from there, really? And obviously, thank you for answering it in depth already. But That's right. I, I answered it um, quite specific to your situation because uh... – you know, yours is different to a few other people's, but some some general kind of rules of thumb are, and you know, Faye and I talked to um, Mike James, the endurance physio, on uh, on the podcast once around, you know, how to recover, and 
I love the term that he used, and I've started using it myself, get world-class at the basics rather than being basic at the world-class. Because you know, some of the things that people start thinking about when we start talking about recovery, you know, the sexy stuff is like massage guns, ice baths, Normatec boots, which I've got behind me here. But, you know, all of these things are really, really good. But if you're not focusing on the basics, which are good sleep and rest recovery, um, uh, eating well, hydrating well, reducing stress in your life, they're kind of like, yeah, you know, which is not easy in, in this day and age. You know, stress is kind of all around us. And I think if um, if you are in a position where you can you can take a nap, you know, that was one of the things you said, Carl. You know, should I want to get back from a hard session or a long run? You know, should I take a nap? Yeah, fucking hell yes, if you can. Like that is honestly, you, you, you talk to any elite athlete, and in fact, there's been some memes going around on uh, Instagram recently of. Um, what the influencers on Instagram think is recovery, you know, massage guns, foam rolling, sticking things up their asses, God knows what. But actually, like the elite athletes are, they just go for sleep. You know, they just go for a nap, like get really good sleep as, as best as you can um, is really, that is the best way to recover um, as, alongside eating well and, and hydrating well. Um, in terms of you know what should you be doing? I mean that's going to that's going to vary from person to person. Like you know some people I coach will go out they'll do a four hour long run and then they've got to go take the kids to the soft play area or um, or they've got to go shopping you know because it's family day or you know whatever it might be. So it it really depends on personal circumstances. But should you? Do a hard session and then not move for the rest of the day? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, you know, I, I definitely think that our bodies are designed to move. They're not designed to sit in, in homeostasis all day. You know, a lot of us do that when we're sat at a desk all day. And then, you know, we get up and then we go for a run and then we're sat back down at the desk again, which isn't really very good recovery. Um, so mobilization is good. You know, can you get some extra steps in during the day and, you know, get up and... Um, I mean, I've actually started standing up at my desk um, for the most part. Thank you to Simon, who's actually on the call for um, for, for giving me a little G up to do that because my back's been bad. He said, stand up at your desk and uh, it does work. Faye's not because she stands up at her desk. 100%. I stand up at my desk mostly because I'm a fidget ass and I can't sit still. But I will say, and this is funny because I uh, one of my runners, uh, I don't think she's here, Pam, uh, when she started with me, she was struggling with her hamstring. And after a bit of investigation, I said, we were talking about what she does for a job. And she was saying, oh, I sit down loads. And I said, right, that's it. So I got her to set a 20 minute timer on her phone to get up every 20 minutes, whether that was just to stand up and then sit back down. But the idea or just to walk to the other room and come back. The idea being that she was sitting for such prolonged periods of time, she was then expecting her body to go from a seated position and then she'd get changed at lunchtime and jump out the door and expect her body to be able to run when it's been sat down for four hours. And um, something that I swear by, and it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but this is something I learned years ago when I became a PT, before you do any form of exercise, if you've been sat down 
in whatever state it might be, in the car, at the desk, whatever, lie on the floor for a few minutes. Lie on the floor, let your body reset, and then carry on. Because to expect your body to have gone from sitting basically at right angles for however long to then going out and trying to run potentially quite quickly, your body's not going to like it and it's going to complain about it, especially over time. So it's just about thinking, like you said, Nick, moving as we were intended to move. I mean, we're not going to go out and work on the land or, you know, whatever it might be, but just thinking about how we can kind of, you know, work with ourselves rather than against it. So yeah, next time, you know, whether, you know, it's in the morning, lunchtime or evening, before you go out, just lie on the floor for a couple of minutes, reset, and then go. Nice. Um, but yeah, Carl, uh, I mean, that active recovery uh, moniker, you know, it, it is a real thing. Our bodies are designed to move. So, you know, yes, there should be rest, um, but also that active recovery thing is um, is important as well. So um, it doesn't have to be anything too purposeful, but certainly, you know, you've got kids, so you, you can't sit still for more than 10 minutes, can you? Yeah, I mean, that was my major sort of the, the question inside that really was like, I, I sometimes have massive step days where I'm like, my God, I've, you know, I've been on my feet all day. And like, yeah, I compensate and I rest where I can and I eat well. But um, I sometimes think, God, I could do it 10,000 less steps today, you know, or like, um, but yeah, that's that's it really. I just wondered, could I could I increase my performance by by um, by resting more? I can say, I think it, it's, you know, being sort of purposeful, like with anything really, it's being purpose, purposeful about it, you know, rest. Uh, you know, if you can take a nap, if there is an opportunity to take a nap, yeah, I mean, that's a absolutely golden thing to do but um you that's know, like a we, unicorn we, in my house yeah <laughs> no chance that will ever not for another you, 16 you, years yeah if you can't take a nap i would say the next best thing would be have a hot bath that would be the next best thing cool all right thank you carl thank you go on faith hey so i have a couple of questions uh from one of my runners dawn and uh I will go with, okay, because we've spoken about food and nutrition, and I know Nick loves this topic, um, so I'm going to ask, I'm going to bring this to the room. So, um, Dawn asks, do you recommend doing at least one of your runs each week fasted, i.e. No. a foundation run? No. <laughs> 100% no, especially, especially it's if you're female. It's one of Nick's favourite topics, so I thought. No, especially if you're female. Um, it, it, the, the benefits of running fasted, fat, fat oxidization, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 are far, far, far outweighed by the detriments, particularly for females, uh, particularly as you start to get older, things like, um, you know, it messes about with your hormones, it can cause bone density issues. Um, it, it, I, I just wouldn't even do it once a week, let alone regularly. Um, there's just no real kind of need for it. Is there perhaps an opportunity to um, get that fat, fat oxidization in other ways? Like, for example, having a low-carb meal before you run. That is a safer way to do it, much, uh, much better. But fasted, no, just a flat-out no for me. I think it's, it's just too much of a grey area. 
um, especially when it comes to female health. I'm, I'm quite a staunch no to fasted anything, really. There's just no real benefit to come from it. What about you, Faith? What are your thoughts? Well, I'd be lying to you if I, I've had this conversation with numerous people over the years. And uh, I know I spoke to you about it when you started coaching me last year. I was that person who used to fast before all my runs because I run in the morning. Rarely did I eat breakfast because, uh, one, it, there wasn't enough time because I valued sleep too much. And mm. two, I was busy. I was young. I thought I was like unstoppable. And you just think, what does it matter if I don't have breakfast? I'll get out, do my run, come home, then I'll have breakfast. And it became habitual over quite a long period of time. Yes, if I was doing a race, I would always eat before a race. Um, and if I was going out on a particularly long run, I would eat. But if it was an hour or an hour and a half, I probably wouldn't eat. And I'd go out and I that just became normal for me. Um, but uh, it's it's something I, I now don't do. And I will always eat something before I go out for a run. And um, yeah, partly because... I knew it and I always knew that that was what you were meant to do, but it's one thing knowing it and it's one thing doing it. So <laughs> I yeah. would say it's uh, it's a really tricky one because I don't want to, there's been so much over the years about this and fasted training in whatever capacity, whatever you do, cycling, running, triathlon, triathlon's terrible for it. Um, and I think it's really important to, again, think about you as an individual and again, it all becomes quite blurry because often the advice that we see in the, you know, in publications or on social media without social being media, disrespectful yeah. is very, is very male orientated. And we will read stuff and we will see stuff and go, oh, this guy is doing this before he trains. Oh, I should be doing that. And it's like, whoa, no. And I think that that is part of this kind of long ongoing imbalance when it comes to the information that's available thankfully now there is a lot of information available specific to women but I think it's kind of that legacy of years and years of generic information and uh, I think it's it is really important to think without sounding like you know a bit pessimistic it's always worth thinking about the long term yeah. when it comes to you know it's great performance you know doing well now doing loads of running now but think about how you want to feel in five years time 10 years time 15 years time and how one kind of behavior now will impact that quite significantly but even um you know some of those potential um benefits from running fasted as i say they are far outweighed by uh by the negative connotations that come with it um and and actually there's there's so much good data that's coming out at the moment that shows that the high the high carb approach is producing phenomenal like so you know so, some of the top ultra runners and I mean you look at all the Kenyans and they li literally live on carbs it is all carbs almost and um, yeah I mean some of the evidence within particularly in the ultra marathon world is showing that diets are at around 60 to 65 percent carbohydrates when you know when you're looking to perform 
as part of your macronutrients, that 65% um, uh, split is, is producing just great results. You know, if you want to perform, eat carbs, eat them. You know, yes, okay, you might get some benefit from lowering your carbs before an easy session, but eating fasted, not for me. So Excellent. I get on my high horse about that one. <laughs> No, it's important. It is important. What mobility work should I do? Was a question. Uh, I think it was Mia sent to me. Um, I, I don't think anybody would kind of really. You know, it, it's pretty obvious that I don't put mobility work in in people's plans. First of all, through strength training, we get good range of motion. Certainly, beyond the range of motion that. Um, that is, is the running gate, the actual running gate, the, the range of motion is actually not much at all. So when we're doing things like our strength work, um, we're getting quite good range of motion and mobility from doing that alone anyway. Um, but also, again, as we've spoken to, you know, podcast guests in the past and, um, you know, various people that I know around the industry, that mobility work, do you know what, if you enjoy doing it and you you, you think it helps you, then, um, then you go for it. But I... Personally, don't get a huge um, amount of benefit from it, and I don't see much evidence for um, doing that mobility work, as well as the stuff that we already do with our strength training anyway. I know Faye will probably slightly disagree with me on that because you like yoga and you've wrote a very good article on it. Well, it's interesting because I think there's no one less mobile than a runner. And the reason I say that is because as runners, we move in one plane of movement and we just move forwards. Mm. And then when we ask our body, and I think the word mobility shouldn't be confused with um, stretching because mobility uh, has has benefits. Stretching, I mean, I'm not going to go into this now, but mobility, if you think of mobility as moving optimally, in various planes of movement and when I say planes of movement I mean forwards backwards sideways twisting every kind of conceivable action that you do on a daily basis but when we run we obviously move in one direction and that becomes repetitive and it becomes our body becomes fixed in this plane of movement so all I'd say a bit just you know picking up on what Nick said obviously if you're going to the gym and you're doing a complete full body workout then you're probably hitting you know these key movements but what I would say particularly if any of you and which I know you do if you do any kind of trail running or off-road running or mountain running really think about kind of planes of movement and I mean like side movements reverse movements because it helps with balance coordination and strength so it's not necessarily you might feel like a bit of an idiot sometimes doing stuff like that in the gym but it can have huge benefits when it comes to that kind of thing. If you are tending to do a bit of off-road or um, trail or fell, particularly, I was talking to one of my runners at the weekend who was saying she was struggling a bit with almost with coordination and strength on the uneven ground because um, it is, it's, it's something that takes time. And if you've gone from running on roads to then going running up great hills that, you know, is uneven and, you know, yeah, unpredictable. Your body needs to adjust to that. So you can kind of try and replicate some of that in the gym by just mixing up some of your movements um, 
you know, I'm not saying go skipping with a barbell or something, but just kind of thinking about simple movements you could do that incorporate balance um, and a bit of plyometrics as well. So don't be afraid to add in some jumps and some um, kind of changes of direction as well, because it's all it's all good. Obviously, don't go mad straight away because you'll all you'll all kind of email saying you've twisted an ankle or a knee but just think about what you're doing um and just play around with it and 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 you know don't be afraid to to move in those those different directions yeah i mean some of that stuff you know all those hops and skips and things that i get you doing before your foundation runs um you know pretty much all of you are right right uh, strength work for you get all of those planes of movement in in those strength sessions um, you know your twists with your chops and your pull-off bands and uh, the single leg movements and you know your hinges and everything you, you get a lot of mobility and movement from that if you then want to do extra mobility like you know I know some of you do yoga some of you do pilates um, you know that kind of stuff if that's stuff you enjoy then you know you go off and do that as well yeah stretching we won't get onto that will we fake waste of time no scientific evidence really that supports it any others for you, Faye? Um, just one last one that kind of follows on from something we spoke about on the last podcast about the long run, but not specifically about the distance, but more about the pace. Um, so I've had this a couple of times in the last week about what, when it comes to pacing a long run, you know, obviously when we set different sessions, we, we set um, pace zones, um, according to to what the the focus of the session is but with a long run you know it is a long run and we we talk about how it's an easy run um, but with more variables to it um, but you know what emphasis are we putting on pace on a long run versus you know getting out and just doing the run completing the run you know that's it really in regards cool. to you know perhaps not focusing too much on pace but more about what you're doing where you're running so for me it depends because if we're in kind of that base building you know we're, we're starting to build our um build our volume up over time particularly when it comes to marathons um you know kyle you're about to experience this and you know you've experienced it before where you know it won't just be in your plan it won't just say long road run or long trail run um, we start going into marathon long run. So it actually, what we start doing is go, right, what is your target marathon pace for your upcoming race? And we'll break that down into chunks. So it might be an 18-mile run with quarter-mile segments at marathon pace. And then the, the following week, it might be a 20-mile run with uh, with half-mile at marathon pace. And then, you know, the chunks get longer, et cetera, et cetera. So it, for me, it really depends on where you're at in your training. If we're in that kind of um, that base building phase where it's just long road run, we are literally looking for you to get out there, a bit of time on feet. It's almost like, a, for me, it's kind of like halfway between a foundation run and an endurance run. So it's like pretty much that zone one, zone two, nice and easy, pretty chatty, um, you know, that just getting that, that, um, that volume in really. So it all depends on what the specific focus is at the time with those long runs. But generally, it's easy in the in the earlier stages of your 
plan. But as we start to get to race day, you know, typically eight to six weeks out from your main race, then uh, then it's going to start showing up with some um, specific paced sections because we need to practice running at uh, at our at our goal pace. Um, ultra marathons, you, you're pretty much going to be doing your long runs easy because, in fact, this goes into the question that um, Simon has asked about uh, when doing an ultra distance race, should I be aiming to stay in zone two for the vast majority? So pr pretty much, I mean, it, it depends on the length of the um, the length of the race. I mean, if you're a, an experienced and faster runner, something like a 50k, you might be kind of not far off marathon effort. But, you know, when you're doing Simon, you're doing the Arc of Patrician um, this weekend coming. You know, that is pretty much going to be a long, easy run with some walking, with some power walking in it. You know, it's um, you're not going to be pushing that because you're going to end up burning carbohydrates too quickly. You're going to need too much fuel. You're going to struggle with your guts and and things like that, you know, depending on what, what the weather's like. Um, so, yeah, managing your effort for those longer runs is, is, um, is key. Uh, another question from Simon. Plan to spend as little time as possible in the checkpoint, but aim to get as much calories in as I can. Good strategy or not? Well, we have talked about this, Simon and I. Um, I wouldn't say that is a good strategy. Um, really, you want to be uh, spreading it out over time. Um, you know, that's 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Something like uh, an ultramarathon is as testing as the arc of patrician, where you're going to probably be out there for you know, 10 to 12 hours, um, if you're Simon, because he's pretty fast, um, you know, you then also maybe thinking about having some real food mixed in amongst there. you know, doses enough of protein just to prevent muscle breakdown. Um, but yeah, I certainly want to be saving up all my, uh, all my calories for the checkpoint, which isn't until mile 29, I think, uh, is mile 29 is the first checkpoint, you know, you're going to sit down and have a, seven course taster menu okay i have got one last question that i'm going to pull out so um i've had a question about gels and again this is something that's come up a few times uh in the last couple of weeks so thinking firstly gels aren't for everyone so just to put it out there that there are other options out there in regards to quick fast fueling so like shot blocks chews you know, stuff that resembles more food than, yeah, really sugary gel, because um, it doesn't work for everybody. So don't necessarily assume that that's the only approach. But just to think about uh, intake of gels over a given period. So um, if you're thinking about the amount of fuel that you want to take on during an hour, for example, so um, you want to think about your body weight. So have a rough idea of, of how much you weigh. And then think about um, it's kind of a, a gram of, of carbs per kilogram of body weight. So, for example, I use talk gels and they've got approximately 30 grams of carbs per gel. So for me, who's somewhere around 58 to 60 kilograms usually, I'll try and take two gels per hour and that is kind of my limit. If I go over that, then that's bad news. So I won't just take gels, I'll intermittent with other stuff, but in the sense of 
I, as a 60-ish kilogram woman, would take on two gels an hour. Um, and then as a race goes on, if it's an ultra, I'd start to, to eat real food. But again, I go off a rough kind of every 30 minutes when it comes to taking on a gel. Um, it's really, really worth experimenting on yourself, though, because some people will take one 20 minutes bang on and take one every 20 minutes. That would be too much for me. Um, but have a go and see how you tolerate it, of course, before and how much, you know, you can deal with over a given time, because it is a lot of uh, kind of high carb, sugary, like, you know, that you might your gut might not be used to, particularly if it involves fructose, for example. Um, so that's definitely something to try before you hit a race uh, like a, a key race um but I would say think about body weight and then calculate the, the carbs accordingly over whatever distance you're doing so don't go mad with it but I would suggest um yeah if you're going out for for two hours you're probably going to want at least four gels around that um but yeah Dawn I hope that answers your question yeah, hundred percent. That's um, that's why in your long run notes you'll have, you know, pretty much from about 10, 11 miles onwards. I'll I'll be saying to you right now, you want to start thinking about trying sixty grams of carbs per hour, which is you know if you've got a good quality gel with thirty grams of carbs in um, in each unit, then you you're talking about one every half an hour, I think, which is what Faye was saying. Um, but then as you get closer to race day if you can tolerate it which if you are kind of following those guidelines for long enough and and it's done gradually um by the time you get to race day 90 grams an hour which has been shown to be optimal should be tolerable um if you can it is a lot it is a lot it's um it's quite surprising uh, the amount of people i uh I talk to him, they go, oh, yeah, you know, a couple of gels when I did my last marathon. Oh, how did you get on? Oh, yeah, I was fucked by mile 20. Um, it's like, because you weren't fueling enough. It's it's really surprising when people are like, oh, my God, I've got 12 gels or 15 gels in my uh, in my belt. But that's, um, yeah, that's where that's where we're at. So, Nick, um, just, just on the, the gel thing, a, a couple of questions to, to you and Faye. So, first of all, is... Is there any difference with absorption on like your your slow, easy runs taking gels compared to if you're absolutely going flat out? Yeah. And the second part is um, a question about caffeine in gels. So I kind of had it on mind before, kind of that was towards the end of a marathon, but I've heard some people would take every other one as being a gel, as a caffeine, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah cool. Good, uh, good couple of ones there. So um, first of all, the caffeine one I'll answer, because that's pretty easy. So caffeine has a half-life, so it takes a bit of time to get in. So when you hear people saying, oh, well, I'll have, I'll have the caffeine gel towards the end of the race, or um, for those of you who've done like hilly ultramarathons, for example, and you hear people going, oh, right, I'm going to have a caffeine gel just as they get to the bottom of the hill. Well, it, has, it, it, it won't have kicked in. It takes a little bit of time to, to kick in. Um, on a marathon, um, you, you, sort of your best bet is to be trying to, trying to have it about um about 90 minutes before the end of your race finish so then you've got about half an hour 45 minutes for it to absorb 
and then half an hour, 45 minutes for it to, you know, actually help. Because what the caffeine will do is um, it, it just helps with that time to exhaustion. Um, it will, um, you know, will help you finish your race stronger. And if you are doing an ultramarathon and you think, right, I've got a big bloody hill i got to get up, you want to be having that kind of, you know, 40, half an hour, 45 minutes before you, uh, before you reach the hill. Um, in terms of t intensity, yes, that is, uh, that is correct. If you are out doing a pretty slow, easy, chilled out, long run, you know, two and a half, three hours, you could get away with probably having no extra fuel at all. Um, however, you know, pretty much all of us here are, in fact, all of us here are training for an event and therefore practicing the gut because the guts can be and needs to be trained to be able to tolerate fuel, then that's when we start introducing gels. We might not need them entirely for that run. However, it is going to help with um, recovery afterwards and actually performance on, on the run itself. You're going to get a better quality um, of long run, even though it is a little bit easier. Um, you know, when you start thinking about those marathon pace long runs, for example, that we were talking about just now, Absolutely, you want to be fueling them because you know what? By the time you get to mile 14, 15, um, and you're trying to knock out half a mile at marathon pace, and you've done you know 10 of those already, you're probably going to start to struggle if you're not fueling on those runs. But that's where, uh, but you, you're not going to be able to go into those kind of runs if you haven't been practicing in the lead up to it. Hence, that's why I, I you know, if, if you weren't training for anything specific, and you were just going out for a couple of hours worth of running, you know, I probably wouldn't say, well, first of all, you probably wouldn't have a coach because you were just running for the fun of it. But also, if you're not practicing, you know, you're not training for something specific, then there's probably not much not much need for, for that much additional fuel. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think the, the only other thing I was thinking of is, is does the absorption ability of a gel change depending on how much you're exerting yourself, you know, is am I going to be able to stomach a gel better under exertion compared to if I'm doing a long, easy run and I'm just taking it to train the gut? Yeah. Well, that's why that's why we train the gut over a period of time, because then when the intensity does go up and the blood, more blood is coming out of the stomach and being drawn to the working muscles, the gut is more used to it being in there and it, it it'll absorb um because it's been trained to. It's, it, the, the gut is like a muscle it, it you know you can train it hence that's why i wouldn't say to you right six weeks out from london let's start trying with our gels now and you're trying to run marathon pace at the same time because we, we need that lead up of, of training to be able to deal with that intensity and um and deal with that absorption sure thank you i don't think i've got any more questions oh yes sorry i have I have, I have two more actually from uh, from somebody I've got who has been doing ultras for a very long time, long, long, long distances. And she she wants to go back to doing fast stuff. She's kind of had, had enough a little bit of the, like, the really long stuff. She's been doing it for quite a long time. And do you know what? I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, Faye, you, you, you've been kind of going through this quite recently. That Do you know what? If you need a bit of a break, it's actually a really good idea to have one. We can't just be kind of constantly training for these massive races. Nope. It is good to back off. Sometimes for some people, that might be a week. 
For some people, it might be six months. For some people, it might be longer. Um, but yeah, her question is, what do you do when you're super bored with running long, but have booked races that you want to go to? And my uh, suggestion on that was, okay, so what can we do with the rest of your week? Because this kind of goes into that conversation we've been having around, you know, the importance of the long run. Whilst long runs are important, I think when you when you are a fairly well-trained individual, if this kind of thing is starting to crop up, you know, instead of maybe doing an 18-mile long run, 20-mile long run on, on the weekend, let's take a couple of miles and put them on Thursday. Let's take a couple of more miles and put them on Tuesday. And let's spread that volume out throughout the week so that you're not having to go out and do, you know, those super long runs. She runs on her own, so, you know, it's not, um, uh, you know, it, is, it, is, it isn't easy, especially she's quite a social person. And then, you know, once you've done your race and you've, you, you've got over it, then, you know, it is worth having a little bit of a think about what is it you want to do. And I know she wants to get back to running hard and fast again, um, which goes into her second question. When you're in the habit of running slow and easy, how do you get out of that and pick up the pace? And there's somebody else I've been talking about this as well, where it's, a, it's about getting used to being comfortably uncomfortable, you know, doing those hard intervals. You know, she's been training for, for ultras for quite a while now, so we haven't been doing any of those like really hard, hard runs. She hasn't been able to go to park run for quite a while, so she hasn't been in the pain cave running around the park on, on Saturdays uh, all that often. So, um, so yeah, when, when you're kind of over that ultra, it'll be back into, you know, if you want to do that fast running again, we'll start doing some, you know, short intervals of, maybe 30 seconds, 60 minutes, and then we'll start picking up and we'll do 90 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, and we'll build build back into, into that hard stuff and getting getting used to being uncomfortable again. I've been I've been there quite recently, you know, trying to do three minute hard hills and Satan's ladder and five minute thresholds. Like it, it's been so alien to me for so long because of my hernia and stuff last year. It, you know, getting used to being uncomfortable again has been like, yeah, it's uh yeah, you do get in a bit of a habit. What do you think on the first bit, say with the uh, you know when you're super bored with running long? I would. My suggestion is step away from it before you start hating it, because I I've come I come across this quite a few times uh, in you know since I've been running like when I say like properly, but I do I get sick of it. I absolutely hate it. I, the thought of doing up my trainers and going out for a run when I'm in one of those kind of slumps, I'm like, I just, I cannot do it. And what I think it was in October, Nick, after I did um, uh, Winter Trail Half, that I, I came back and I turned around to Nick and I said, I'm sick of it. I don't want any more programs. Like every session was just winding me up and just making me think, I hate it. I hate those intervals. I don't want to do it. And I just said to him, can I take a break? And can you not plan me anything? I just want to run. And it took, what was it? Probably two weeks ago. three months. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so ago, pretty much three months. Where I, yeah. And I needed three months of just running and just enjoying it again and not having a structure or being told what to do. Because I was like, I don't want to be told what to do. I just, <laughs> I just want to run. But I needed that time out and I needed to decide what I wanted to do. Uh, and again, I've decided to focus a little bit more on shorter stuff because I'm a bit sick of going out for four or five hours on a Sunday on my own. And just like, yeah, it was just a bit, I was just bored. 
So I thought, no, I'm going to focus on shorter stuff. But um, actually, a revelation, and I was saying this to a friend, I ran listening to a podcast yesterday. I haven't run listening to anything at all for about seven years. So yesterday, I decided to put some headphones in and run. And I will say, how awesome was that? I should have done that sooner. But um, yeah, it made the two hours go a lot quicker. It's almost as though somebody needs to make a podcast as well. Yeah. No, good. Um, thank you, everybody. Uh, unless there are any more questions. Do you want, actually, Deb, um, Deb Murray's on here and she asked me a question about normal tech boots. Um, I don't know. I just quite like those normal tech boots. I don't know if anybody's used them, but they're like these, they pump up and they squeeze your legs and they're supposed to increase circulation stuff. I quite like them. I can't like them. I don't. I don't have a particular protocol. I don't think. Um, I don't know if we've got enough science on it. Maybe it's just one of those gimmicks. But um, I did buy them, and they are nice. I just. I, 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 can, I can see Kyle. He's about. He's about I, to go. I, I he's I about to go on the internet and order some Normatec boots. I can see it in his eyes. <laughs> just get well, my in the budget, bath, people. My budget for the Alpha Fly threes is is gone out the window because I can't find them anywhere. So. Uh... <laughs> Oh, I've desperately looked, but I was too late by about one hour. Didn't I have yet, are they? Yeah, the prototypes out in the UK. Um, you you could you could have bought them, but you had to have been quick. Ah, the prototypes, right? Okay. I think they're releasing them like the fourth of April or something. So know, panic so buys them before London. I know. Why would they do that? I know, I know. You know. And on that bombshell, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mileage Running Podcast. You can find more out about us at MaximumMileageCoaching.com if you think you need help with your running and you think that either myself or Faye could be the coach for you, then drop us an inquiry. No uh, obligation whatsoever and we'll have a chat with you about your running. And there's plenty of resources on the website as well. And don't forget you can join us on the Maximum Mileage Running Podcast Facebook group. Until next time. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mileage Running Podcast. You can find more out about us at MaximumMileageCoaching.com if you think you need help with your running and you think that either myself or Faye could be the coach for you, then drop us an inquiry no uh, obligation whatsoever and we'll have a chat with you about your running and there's plenty of resources on the website as well and don't forget you can join us on the maximum mileage running podcast facebook group until next time see ya bye bye